the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. I got an email. Well, was it an email? It was actually a conversation. I was in a conversation with someone recently where he was talking about AMD and he's like, should I invest in AMD? I've, I, you know, I do some janitorial work for the company and I kind of know some stuff that they're working on and that could be a useful insight. It could, for instance, if you're working as a janitor, a friend of mine passed away recently. Um, back in the nineties, he was a janitor. He owned a cleaning company. And he would regularly see a company, it was an internet company in the 90s, based out of Virginia. And he would see, like, hey, they just doubled up. They're now sitting people, you know, 24 hours at their desks. So there's, like, three shifts in the day. And then he was like, there's now two people at each desk, 24 hours. Now they're at, they just bought the second floor. Then they bought the third floor of an office building. Then they bought the building across the street. And without asking permission, they dug a tunnel between the two buildings to lay internet cable. And he continued like month after month after month after month. And he kept buying shares of the company. And his wife kept saying, sell, sell, sell. He's a, he owns a janitorial company and he owes like $1 million worth of valuation, $1.5 million worth of valuation, $2 million of valuation. And uh, every time his wife would say, you know, sell, he would buy more because of what he was seeing. And that company turned out to be America Online, which... You know, ironically, um, it needed to be sold, but it needed to be ridden in the 1990s. So I got a question from this guy, and he's like, yeah, I'm, you know, there's a company that I'm doing some janitorial work for called AMD. And I'm like, okay, I, I know the janitorial story, um, but I would still be very, very cautious. And the reason I throw that out there is, is this is a different market than that time. And... The overall market, you know, is it a high valuation? Is it a low valuation? Back in the 90s, the opinion of tech stocks was, you know, they didn't, we didn't know much about them. We were very, very much so still all about, you know, 
uh, buying banks after the saving loans crisis uh, because they had a, a masterful run in the 90s. Oil companies, you know, eh, oil goes higher, oil goes lower, but they make billions of comp dollars, and I'm like that was kind of a 90s theme. So the reason for companies like AMD, I think, are starting to, you know, for them to exist, are starting to dwindle. And you can take a look at a company and say, hey, it looks cheap. But when a company has been decimated and, you know, pounded for as long as it has, and just imagine that it's a ship. And let's go back to Christopher Columbus days. And uh, you're sailing across the Atlantic, and there's a, a big storm, and the boat's rocking back and forth. And then you get a little further along, and there's another big storm, and then there's clear water. And, you know, the, the sails are getting a little tattered, and, you know, you're, everything's good. And then, whoa, a tsunami pushes the boat backwards 100 million miles. And then it gets hit by a cyclops. A cyclops jumps up and has the boat on its head, and then it hits it off, and it boat falls in the water, and it's still going forward. It must go forward. And then there's calm water. And you take a look at that boat, and you're like, I'm surprised this thing is still holding together. It's been through a rough one, two, three, four, five years at, at sea. The boards are a little waterlogged. The sails are in tatters. Most of the men have been eaten by cyclopses or cyclop eyes or cyclop ooze. What is the plural of cyclops? Cyclopses? So... It's not in good standing. And that's the way I feel about a company like an AMD. They had their day in the 90s where you could say, AMD's got a better computer chip than Intel. They're, the way that they process the digital signals, well, let's just put it this way. Intel is like a toaster. <laughs> so the days of being nerdy about it are over. We're no longer talking about power and volumes and, you know, wins with Dell or Compaq or Gateway. Do you remember Gateway computers? That's a throwback. Throwback Tuesday, everybody. I hate you people on Facebook who throw up throwback pictures. Anyway, um, so you look at the stock and you say, eh, it's a buck. It's two bucks. Buck 50. All I got to do is take it to three and I doubled my money. Mm, company's been getting clobbered by the Cyclops that is Intel for quite a while. And they, too, have been getting clobbered by um, other chip makers in the world of mobile phones. So the fundamentals are ugly. Remember this one? U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no alibi. You're ugly. Um, that goes back to, I think, sixth grade for me. Maybe fifth. So you take a look at the company. Yes, on one hand, you could say it looks cheap. Maybe someone will buy them and take them private. If they get bought and taken private, then, you know, it'll go for a premium. Well, the problem with that is ifs and buts were candy and nuts. Oh, what a party would have. If they don't get acquired, what happens? Their debt ratings continued to, considered, continues to be considered speculative or junk. You know, they've got $750 plus million in cash and cash equivalents. But that won't last forever. The employees that they get now couldn't get jobs elsewhere. 
Um, and that's one of the problems Facebook's going to have down the road. And most tech companies do. You know, a company like Yahoo can get a Marissa Meyer and she can come in and like do her magic and woo people from Google and you know woo get people from Facebook. But essentially, at some point in time, they're going to go, okay, the stock's had its run. Now there's this new company starting up. I'm going to go work for them for six months, get stock options, and see what happens when they come public. So be very, very cautious. That is not, in my opinion, a strong-looking vehicle. Um, and that's just me. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. That's rob at robblack.com. Anything that you want to talk about, we can ultimately talk about. Um, if you have a, a thought, let me know. Gasoline. When it becomes cheaper, guess what happens? People buy fancier gasoline. So instead of just getting the regular mix, they go for the, you know, the super premium, this will wash your car's engine. So you would imagine that when gasoline becomes cheap that you just put the money in your pocket. Nope. Um, average American would save about $41 a month when gas gets cheaper, when it goes from like 4 to 3 um, But people don't take that money home. They buy more fancier gas, and it's not really rational behavior. Americans spent about 4% of pre-tax income on gasoline in 2014. That's a pretty big expense, right? If you've got, like, um, Crazy Mel's gasoline, and it's 20 cents cheaper than the Exxon or the Arco or the AMPM station, like, right across the street, go with the cheaper one. The state that you live in regulates gasoline formulas, and the Crazy Mel's can't cheat and, like, put, like, food in it. They can't cheat and put, like, meat or meat filler Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Time management is one of those areas that I've gotten better at in my life. And I've gotten way better at it. I... Working in radio taught me, like, a minute is 60 seconds, and I, I can figure out a minute. If you ever want to play a weird game with me, it's like, let's see you can figure out exactly when two minutes ends, if we were to start right now. Um, most people learn about time management the hard way. I was recently talking to a friend, and uh, she's working on a thesis. If she was working on two theses, would it be a thesis, a thesis, a thesis? Two theses. So she was working on a thesis, and uh, one of her friends invited her to a party. 
and then after that they went to a bar. And she's 33, 34. And I kind of laughed, and I was like, you were at a bar until 2 o'clock on a Saturday? Like, oh, good God. Like, you must have all the time in the world to waste. Um, and what I kind of threw out there is I said, nothing good happens at 2 a.m. Just be smart with your time. You know, I have no problem with you being social. And if you want to go look at boys, do it at 6 or 7. Um, don't do it at 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning. It's probably the not the type of boy you want to meet. Um, how I wish I spent my day, 8 hours of sleeping. Maybe 2 hours of work, 50% fun. But how I actually spend my day is very little fun, very little sleep, and a lot of work. I try to plan, though, for four to five hours of real work in my work day, and then that's when I take my foot off the gas pedal. Days will always fill up on me, and if I don't get the serious stuff done, I won't get anything done. So it's normal to have days where you just can't work and days where you're going to work 12 hours straight. Last Wednesday, I was gearing up because I was planning on, I've got some time off here and there kind of things coming up. So I basically worked 20 straight hours that day. Um, and now it's not 20 straight hours of the most important stuff, but it's a lot of the stuff that I was, I'm going to lose here and there when I take a day off. Work more when you're in zone. Relax when you're not. And there's some days where you're just going to have to cram. I look at myself as worth $1,000 an hour. It's a really odd concept, but if you do that, then suddenly you will find yourself not wasting time. Respect your time by putting a value on it, and that makes you respect it in the real world. Um, multitasking, ugh, I think, kills your focus. Um, so when I open up emails, I do emails, and then I close my email. When I work on a presentation, I work only on that presentation. I don't open up emails. I don't call people. I don't take phone calls. Um that simple emails, focused presentation work, calling people, it has to me be separate. Multitasking just loses focus. I set up a work routine and I stick with it. Every day I wake up at 4, I stretch. First thing I do is I stretch to feel alive. Um, it stinks. When I go on vacation, guess what time I wake up? 4. Um, my body's adapted to the early work day, and I can't, you know, I often say this is going to be my last video. That may or may not be true, but I think it is. Um, I can't wait to sleep until 9 o'clock again one day, but I'm going to call that retirement. I think we're always more focused and productive with limited time. Um, so when you do have limited time, Focus, get it done. If I were to tell you right now, you've got 30 minutes to get down to the post office. It's closing. You're probably going to pull it off. Sounds like we got a phone call. Let's go to the call. Who we got? Hello? Hello? Tom? Go ahead. Hey, Rob, I got, a, I got a question on tax code 179 for business owners about the depreciation hey, of vehicles. I, yeah, I, I don't do taxes. I'm sorry. 
It's okay. the one thing that legally I'm not allowed. Like, I'm told don't talk taxes on air because in the end, and thanks for the call, everyone is so massively different that you may be depreciating a vehicle in this case, but you forgot to depreciate another business asset or, in fact, you obtained more depreciation and you it's finished, so you can't do it anymore. So you have to go to an accountant on that, or I would actually call the IRS. If you call, you know, 800-TAX-1040, sit on hold forever, you know, you know, put your little speakerphone on, open your emails, hammer out 20 emails while you're hearing, you know, music. Um, don't do it right on April 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th. Do it months and months in advance, and uh, you'll get the answer that you need. The IRS is your friend. They're there for you. Um, when you don't pay your taxes, they're kind and they're generous. They give you a low-cost loan. Um, don't be afraid of interacting with tax people. Sorry about that. Um, I was trying to avoid your call because of that. Um, okay, back to productivity. Work is the best way to get working. Start with short tasks to get the ball rolling. Um, send email to a design team, for instance. Just create a business plan. You know, I constantly clean my home office at the end of the day, not at the beginning of the day. I like to start with a clean office. I like to end by cleaning said office. Um, but work is the best way to get working. When I go into the home office and I fire up the computer, I don't go, hmm, I wonder if there's a hockey game on tonight. Doing these life hacks will save you so much time and make you so much more productive. And that'll advance your career so much faster. And that'll help you get to retirement so much sooner. Uh, work in our, you know, as best you can, expectations to do things perfectly are stifling. So know that, like, um, I have to send it out an email on Wednesday. So I'll start working on it on Monday. I'll take a second look at it on Tuesday. And I'll take a final look at it on Wednesday. I can't write the perfect email when I'm writing about the stock market and the economy. Um, I can't write it all in one sitting. It doesn't work that way. Um, but again, I start my day every day with a set schedule, and I stick to it. It's kind of tight, but it is what it is. Working more hours doesn't equal more productivity. You get, cons you know, use constraints as opportunities. I like the idea that I have an e uh, email that I blast that I'm going to send out this Wednesday. Um, so that constraint tells me get it done. Separate brainless and strategic tasks, and you become more productive. Separate thinking and execution to execute faster and think better. So separating brainless tasks, uh, for instance, here's one that I do. I have Amazon deliver my toilet paper and my paper towels every month on the 15th. Sometimes I have too much toilet paper, but that's okay. I don't have to think about it. It automatically happens and lets me focus on the really important things in my work schedule. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Take a break. We'll be right back. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, 
Back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for being part of the show. Um, I do mean that, and I know that sounds a little bit, eh, a little bit off, right? Uh, maybe it is. Uh, maybe I'm just trying to throw down at you that like this is a this is a process. So one of the things I want to talk about is the concept of retirement. Nope, nope. Is it the concept of you know, investing, not right now. It's, believe it or not, you control your own future. And this isn't a rah-rah, shish-boom-bah segment. I'm not that guy. This is something like, just take a look at your life. One of my best friends doesn't drink alcohol. It's surely a bummer at times, but it does have its upsides. He saves a ton of money when he goes out without cocktails or beer, The bill is consistently 50% cheaper than everyone else's. Um, Having a friend who has been sipping water um, instead of wine means at least one person is able to make rational decisions. That alone could be invaluable, especially since the cost of a wild night might be pricier than you could imagine. This may not be for you, this segment, but it's probably for somebody in your life. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention finds that excessive drinking, particularly binging, that's four drinks or more for a woman and five drinks or more for men cost the U.S. economy about $250 billion a year, and it's rising. There's obviously loss of productivity. There's the criminal justice fees for alcohol-related crimes, which in the state of California, and all states are going to differ, you're looking at spending probably up to $10,000 to defend yourself. Now, keep in mind... Uh, I've got a, two brothers who are attorneys, and they're older brothers. And, you know, when I turned 18, 19, 20, they started telling me things like, okay, just so you know, if you ever get pulled over and you've had a drink, give the cop your insurance and your driver's license and, you know, say thanks. Uh, there you go. And nothing else. Don't answer questions. Um, don't, you know, offer to let them come in your car. Just, sir. You pulled me over, here's my driver's license, and here's my um, insurance. That's all you have to do. And again, this is brothers telling younger brother what to do if you did have drinks. Um, So anyway, because ultimately what my brother is trying to tell me is that once the police officer comes to your car, every question that he asks you is an investigation. It's not he's trying to be friendly and get you, give you, you know, oh, you're a nice guy, I'm going to let you off. It's an investigation. Um, do you know why I pulled you over? If you say no, then later on in court, he's going to say he was swerving and didn't know that. Do you, have you had anything to drink today? If you say no, and later on there's alcohol in your blood, you're a liar. So it's building a case, every single question. So all you have to, but anyway, I'm focusing way too much on that. Um, the most significant cost of binge drinking is loss of productivity on hungover workers who either showed up for work barely able to function or unable to function at all. And that costs roughly $90 billion. 
in total, all forms of lost productivity account for about $179 billion of alcohol-related costs. So some researchers estimate the government and thus taxpayers cover about 40% of the total $250 billion bill. So if you know someone who's a binge drinker, they're probably costing you money. Kind of a weird thought, right? And if you know someone who's a binge drinker, you know, a six-pack of beer is what, probably minimum six bucks now? And if you do it at a bar, 30 bucks minimum? The cost of motor vehicle crashes related to alcohol is about $13 billion a year. The cost of the criminal justice activity, such as arrests and court fees, about $15 billion a year. That's just the arrests and court fees. So the report ultimately finds that the cost of heavy drinking has been growing over the last couple of years. It's up 2.7% between 2006 and 2010, and that outpaces inflation during the same period. The actual cost of binge drinking behavior can be hard to tally, how much damage you're doing to your liver. If you've got a life insurance test coming up, try to go cold turkey for you know a month and let your liver heal up a little bit, because when you do a life insurance test, they do blood work, and you know the enzymes in your liver are going to tell, is this guy going to potentially kill himself in a car wreck as a drunk driver? Um, so they change the numbers. They charge you more. I know it's kind of a weird segment to talk about binge drinking, but if you know someone who's a binge drinker or even a, a drug user, um, do what you can to let them know that that's a very costly scenario. Um, anyway, I think for those who don't drink are American financial heroes, if that makes any sense at all. probably doesn't, but it does to me. So changing topics... And again, do you know how much people spend on alcohol a year? That's one of the things where I'm like, uh, you should know. Alcohol and entertainment. Um, it, it's pretty significant. And if I, I would venture a guess, and I think you would as well, that if you go into a bar tonight at, say, 7, 8 o'clock, that you're not talking about some of the wealthy, affluent one percenters of America. I'm not passing judgment. I'm just telling you that sometimes we create our own problems this one being social entertainment alcohol can create poverty or less wealth so changing topics is the 401k this too is something i want to bring up on a slightly different level i'm not saying max out your 401k i'm not saying put 15 percent into your 401k diversify rebalance your portfolio i'm not doing that here's where a 401k can get you into trouble Let's say you have $100,000 in your 401k or $200,000. Money's a little bit tight. Your eye in your 401k plan is a solution. You're thinking, I can take a loan out. There's not one financial advisor who's credible, in my opinion, who says that tapping into your 401k with a loan is a good idea. Just because it's easy to do doesn't mean it's the right decision to make. And the whole idea of paying yourself back is pretty bogus if the stock market moves up during that year that you've had that loan out against yourself. You'll never recapture those gains. And again, it's easy to have a 401k and to tap, take money out. About 33% of 401k investors cash out before reaching the age of 59 and a half. That makes me want to cry. 
most individuals can be made or most withdrawals can be made without incurring a 10% early distribution penalty on top of income taxes. Uh, that happens magically at 59 and a half. But people take the money out before 59 and a half, a third of people do, and they have to pay taxes and a 10% early withdrawal. So let's say you want to get access to your own money. It, it financially hurts you to do so to the tune of 10 plus percent plus taxes. 21% of 401k investors have outstanding loans against their accounts at the end of 2012. Uh, 21%, that's one in five, right? If I'm doing my math right. The average unpaid balance on loans is about $7,100. One of the problems I have with loans and credit cards is sometimes I forget what did I spend that money on. And the only example I can give you of myself was in college. I had a credit card and Every summer I had to work my butt off to pay off my, you know, my spring and winter charges. And I was carrying a balance. And every summer I'd be like, why am I working my butt off? I don't even know what I spent money on. And that's where credit cards can get you in trouble. That's where loans can get you in trouble. 401k plans were designed to let workers sock away pre-tax money for the golden years. They weren't designed to be, let's finance your immediate needs. But a lot of people do that. If you are going to tap the vein, the 401k money vein, I suggest you do it eyes wide open and know you're hurting yourself. Let's say, though, you're financially strapped. A 401k loan can be enticing. I know. I get it. You're borrowing from yourself and you're paying yourself back with interest. A 401k loan involves a or tax event. Um. You have to remember, though, that depending on your plan's rules, you might be banned from making new contributions to your 401k for six months. This means you don't benefit from pre-tax contributions that lower your gross income and help to reduce what tax you owe at tax time. Unlike 401k contributions, loan payments are made with after-tax dollars, and the loan payments, which can last up to five years, are yet another expense for your budget to absorb. If you take out a 401k loan, you're clearly already short on cash. If you lose your job, then that loan quickly becomes due because if you have a 401k loan out and you lose your job, you have to pay it back. If you're unable to pay the balance, it typically morphs into an early 401k distribution and subject to that 10% penalty. So you have to be absolutely 100% secure, in my opinion, in your job if you ever take out a loan. Um, sometimes even smart money people go into money denial issues. I want to try to fix that. Whether it's talking about binge drinking or taking out loans in your 401k, you want to avoid penalties, you want to avoid cost, you want to avoid lawyers, you want to avoid paying state, you want to avoid DMV issues, you want to avoid losing your license and not being able to go to work. Don't be in denial. I'm Rob Black.
to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. All I really, really want to do is get you focused on getting to retirement. And there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, whether it's cutting down on your binge drinking, whether it's becoming more productive at work or more productive in your life. Um, I have a friend who used to watch Two and a Half Men. And I'm like, how do you have time for that? I get it when you're 20 and you're still trying to figure your life out. I really get it when you're 14 and you're trying to look for a pretty girl on television. But I don't get it when you're above 30. I, I just don't get it. Um, I used to have time for video games. I no longer have time for video games. So try to prioritize and get some life hacks to get you there is kind of what I want to do. I want this show to focus on retirement, a little bit on investing, some on credit, a little bit on saving and spending, some on your home and real estate, cars. I sure would love a new car, but I'm not going to drive one for a while. I tend to drive my cars until they break, completely break. Um like when the transmission's gone and it won't move forward, even when you're pushing it. I like talking colleges on occasion, just trying to, again, show you some of the best colleges and best degrees and uh, maybe the best college degree that's a value or maybe the best college degree that is worth the investment. Ultimately, what I really like doing is talking about wealth creation. Um, You know, some of the things that I want you to avoid, annuities, People will, you know, push annuities really hard on you, and they're not appropriate for 98% of Americans. As your only investment tool, they're they're appropriate for no one. Um, but when I'm 65, if I wanted a low-cost annuity, I'm not going to go through an insurance agent because that's where the prices get jacked up. In fact, I don't think you need a broker relationship, whether it's an insurance broker or an investment broker anymore. I think you can go direct to the sources. And that's the better way of doing it. Um, unless, of course, you're really, really ignorant. And then I think the best way to do it is a certified financial planner that doesn't sell annuities. Um, <clears throat> a couple areas that I, I, I kind of... It, it turns into a folly, uh, for instance, is people that become sentimental and or people that become emotional. Um I have a friend who knew someone who worked at Apple who died and left shares of the company to that person. And what's tragic here is that sometimes you can go, I just want to keep, I want to give some of it to his family. I want to give some of it to his friends. I want to give some of it to, I want to keep some of it for myself. And suddenly you're not making investment decisions. You're not making retirement decisions. You're making social decisions. And I kind of caution him to say, be careful, um, because that will get you into trouble. You're kind of going off the path. You know, my dad, for instance, once told me uh, that he really liked Fannie Mae. You know, they do the government, you know, mortgages and you know, blah blah blah, and they'll always be in businesses because there'll always be mortgages, and that can get you into a lot of trouble because things do change, and, and they can change pretty fast and pretty aggressively. Um, When it comes to credit, there's a really cool app called Credit Karma. Um, I think they do a really nice job of monitoring and showing you your credit. It doesn't ding your credit. 
Um, credit's great, but one area that I seem to find people a little too often is that they, they get too caught up in credit. Like, ah, I'm like, i got to get my credit score up. I'm like, are you buying a house? you buying a car? No. Why do you need your credit score up higher? And trust me, credit scores are important. If you go to apply for a job now, I'm going to pull your credit report. Um, shunning credit cards can really help your bottom line, but a thin credit history can give you a poor credit score. To have a good credit score, you actually have to have credit cards, which is mind-boggling. I have credit cards, and I pay them off on a monthly basis. Your credit cards come pre-equipped with a due date, an annual percent rate, and a group of fees that the issuer sets. You may be able to negotiate a different due date or a lower interest rate or a minimum payment. If you make a late payment for the first time and get slapped with a fee, call and ask if it could be waived. Say you made a mistake. Uh, when I have new credit cards or new credit issues, whether it be car payment or whether it's credit cards, to make my life easier, I move all my payments to the 7th of the month. Then I know on the 1st, 2nd, or 3rd of the month, I need to pay all my bills. and Or I have it auto-linked up to my bank account so that they auto-pay. Um, but I keep an eye on that because sometimes these things delink. Um, your credit score could fall when you move from one scorecard to another, even if it's ultimately a positive switch. FICO, which produces the most widely used credit score, uses scorecards to group consumers into categories. If you've had a delinquency, such as a bankruptcy, FICO may put you on a scorecard that evaluates your risk in part of how much time has passed since your recent delinquency. Um, you know, score drops are usually temporary as credit bureaus are trying to figure you out. Uh, for instance, if you've gone from being a college student to a high-paying job, you're going to be a different credit score. Um, you may not see the score your lender sees, um, but if you go to creditkarma.com, credit.com, creditsesame.com, you're going to get a general idea of what you need to do to improve your scores. Uh, again, credit, I think, is important for jobs. I think it's important when you buy a car. If my credit rate, if my interest rate on my home is lower than yours, I can go farther in life than you you can on the same exact salary. So it's important, but it's not something to panic over. And I see people do panicky, stupid things. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't be shy. Reach out. 800-516-1220. Anytime you want to call, I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.